hey, Matt, uh, and anybody else that might be who's going to look in on the Thursday morning session. Uh, listen, I'm going to put, I'm putting this online for you to watch and um, or listen to. Actually, there's not much watching to be done. And you can you can listen to it. And uh, if you feel like you still want to do a YouTube, I will. But here's the thing: the two things that um, uh, I have a problem with. Uh, number one, uh, just when I said, you know, you're welcome to give me a call. We could have just talked, called, <clears throat> just spoken brother to brother. You weren't willing to do that. And that kind of just kind of I, I just kind of wondered right then why. The number, the second thing was, why did you want to do a YouTube? Why was that so important? And who is this really for? I mean, is this for you having something that you can put online to uh, bolster yourself and make you look look good? Or were you really desiring to answer questions from me? And that was the reason you wanted to do it. And if that's the case, why does it have to be on YouTube? Why couldn't you just talk to me on the phone? Why couldn't you just send me an email? And that was the second thing. You didn't want to give me your email address. Why in the world would you not want to give me your email address? I don't understand that. Uh, you know, you could have sent me the, the questions uh, through email, and then if you didn't want me to have your email address, then just block me. I don't send you any more emails. So these are things I don't understand. To me, it looks like there's some sort of control factor that you need, or you're trying to manipulate me and telling me, hey, man, man up, as if... I do a YouTube with you, all of a sudden that's going to prove that I'm some sort of a man to you. Well, I don't need to prove that I'm a man to you. And, my, and by, by my not getting on a YouTube with you, that doesn't make me any lesser of a man. And you need to understand that, okay? Now, that said, that said, I want you to understand, first of all, there are, there, there are several points of agreement that I have with uh, what you guys believe, your belief system as far as you know, what you're talking about. Number one is institutional church. I think it's an absolute insane asylum, a cuckoo's nest. It's dominated by one man the same week, after week, after week, after week. There's no confession of sin. There's no, there's no one anothering. Uh, it's a joke. There's $500 billion right now in America of church edifices. And the, 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 the homeless are sleeping outside. And these men standing behind the pulpits are calling these church buildings, God's house. Well, in my opinion, God would have nothing to do with these houses uh, because he would let people in to sleep. As a matter of fact, he'd have his people in there every night to make sure that they would be able to take care of the homeless people, get them back on their feet, so on and so forth. So, uh, you know, lectures, we don't remember but 5% of a lecture, and yet we spend millions and millions and millions of dollars building these edifices out here that's centered on a lecture. These buildings are open seven, uh, seven nights a week. Excuse me, they're closed. Um, what am I saying? The, the buildings are closed seven nights a week and six days a week. Left empty. While the home will sleep outside. Wait a minute, my stupid dog's barking. Sorry about that. Uh, he's not a stupid dog. Stupid dog is the best dog I've ever had. Fantastic dog. Um, so anyway, that's on the institutional church. You know, I'm in. I'm, you know, I'm I'm with you guys. It's a flea circus. It's where people get trained like fleas. You know, you put fleas in a jar for three days and come back, and they won't jump out. And that's what happens in institutional churches. People get conditioned to think they can jump only so high, and don't you ever dare jump higher than the the guy behind the pulpit. 
because they'll cut you off at the knees. But your second thing that I agree with you guys on is Calvinism. I was in the PCA, the Presbyterian Church of America, in, off and on for 18 years. <clears throat> I got abused left and right. As a layperson, I built ministries in a very quick fashion that involved hundreds of people. And instead of bringing somebody like me who had shown beyond a shadow of a doubt that things that I could put together were touching people, bringing people into small groups, they were growing like wildfire. So instead of bringing a, quote, layperson on staff who's out there doing all this stuff, they cut me off at the knees. They steal the ministries, literally stole the ministries that I built, and then they ran them into the ground. And this happens in all institutional churches. And that's why nobody grows, because the pastors are so threatened by anybody that grows around them, you know, they have to cut them off. So it's, all, it's just all control, control, control. And I could go into all kinds of things that happen inside that church, but the worst not only did they steal my ministries and took stuff that I wrote and, and copyrighted them to, to build their international uh, discipleship programs, the last one I was in colluded uh, with my ex-wife against me in parental alienation to the point where in the last 18 years I've had one Christmas and one Thanksgiving with my kids. I've, I was in, cut out of all their birthday parties. Uh, it's emotional and psychological abuse to the children. I sent uh, I sent letters to the church. I sent emails to the counselors that were counseling my kids for over 10 years. And they ignored all the information that I was sending from PhD psychologists and psychiatrists and therapists on the damage that, that the parental alienation is causing. I warned them that if, if it didn't stop, and if Chris, especially my youngest, if he didn't get six months uninter uninterrupted with his dad, as all the psychologists were saying needed to happen, that he was gonna take his life. And three years ago, when I had gotten him to the point, he was the only kid I had any sort of connection to at all, <clears throat> and that was very, very stringent, very, it did, there just wasn't much. But anyway, I had a little bit of a thread there, and I had convinced him to come with me to Arizona to start a business. And three weeks before we were gonna to leave to do that, he took his life. So uh, I have been in a very, very, uh, strange, awkward frame of mind for many, many years. I've kind of lived the last 18 years of my life like Tom, Tom Hanks sort of did in the movie Castaway, because I've been kind of a castaway for 18 years. Really don't have any family. Spending all of my Christmases and Thanksgivings alone. Every holiday that comes, comes along, I can't stand. I hate holidays because it only reminds me of, of how lonely I am and how I have no connection to family and no connection to my kids. Out of the last 18 years, I had 10 days with my four remaining kids out of over 6,500 days. So if you don't understand anything about parental alienation, um, there are about 25 to 30 million people right now in the United States that are being severely affected by this pathogen. And uh, it's severely debilitating both uh, especially to the parents more than it is to the children because at least they've got some people there around regardless of how bad they are but at least they've got people there around but it's severely debilitating and um, it's been very painful for me especially the loss of Chris and having no and watching my other two sons lives getting blown away because they had no father figure in their lives so anyway um, and that has a lot to do with all of the questions that I sent to you guys 
Um, because really that to me was just a form of entertaining myself, if you want to know the truth. You know, I'd sit around, I'd hear something like that, and a question would come to mind. I thought, well, I'd just call her hotline and zing it in there. And so that's what I was doing. And if you were offended by it, because it sounded like you were, I apologized in, the, in the, one of the last phone messages that I left before I said I wouldn't be calling back again. So if I offended you, I'm sorry. I, did, I was not trying to offend you. It's just that there are a lot of things that you guys were talking about that were triggering me that I don't agree with and that, that I think is wrong. Um, the, another thing that I agree with on you, and I'm not exactly sure how I, uh, uh, I'm still kind of in the process of processing it, but, and I don't like the term universalism. There's something about that that sounds cultic to me. I don't know what it is. <clears throat> there needs to be some sort of another term given to it, but, you know, I think I'm a universalist. It's just, to me, it's the, the whole thing is, is, uh, it's, um, it's, it, it's it's logistic and it, it it's common sense you know if if jesus is the alpha and the omega if he is the beginning and the end if he is from eternity past to eternity future if every knee is going to bow and every tongue confess that jesus is lord if god if god's desire is for all of us to come to know him uh then why would he tell us he will do, he will fulfill the desires of our heart but not be willing to fulfill the desires of his own. So, you know, I believe if there's predestination, that Jesus is the destiny of predestination. That's where we're all headed. So I'm on you, I'm with you on that. So those are the three main things that I am with you on. And it's been very clear from the questions that I've left with you what I don't agree with. Uh, the one is the use of profanity and vulgar language and uh, just being free with it. Uh, I don't think you guys understand <clears throat> that when you're doing that, there, there, people, there are, there's a, if, if there are a lot of people who are not on, in the same lane with you and they're tuning into your program and the first thing they hear and in the first five minutes of their program, they're hearing the F word or they're hearing the MF or they're hearing... You know, just 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 the, the crass nature of the conversations at time, they're going to get turned off, and they're not going to listen to what you're saying. So you're alienating a lot of people by using that language, and your unwillingness to give that up, in my opinion, is very self-centered and selfish. You need to let it go, because it, it you know, if you think it's helping you attract more people, it's not. It's not. I got your book. I read your. I read a good bit of your book. I hadn't read it all. It's well written. It's laid out very well. You've got some interesting insights, but then you know you, you feel like you have to you have to use that foul language in there. I don't understand it. I really don't, and I don't understand why you can't give it up. And I read your little thing about talking about me and your blog and how you think cursing's okay. And I mean, I can. I don't. I'm not going to get into it here, but. I mean, there's so many things that I can say to you to, that would refute your argument, and um, I just don't have the time in this recording here to do that. Of course, the other thing is the sexual deviancy, and so when I and when I say sexual deviancy, I'm not looking at you and saying, "Oh, that guy's a sexual deviant." I'm saying it's a deviant. It's 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 a deviation from the norm. And what, what really gets next to me is when I hear people digging around as much as they can in Scripture, just find, trying to find something 
to give them the okay to do things that just goes against God's natural order of things. If you don't know what your penis was created for and what its use is and where it belongs and, wasn't, and where it doesn't belong, I think you're lacking a lot of common sense. Or either there's some hidden pain in your life that you haven't dealt with. Now, you talked about how you struggle with depression most of your life. And I can tell you with what I've been through in the last 18 years, I know a lot about depression. Fortunately, I never got on uh, any sort of uh, prescribed medications like Prozac or Xanax or anything like that. I'm a St. John's Wort guy. You know, I take St. John's Wort and, and Ginkgo Bilboa and, and uh, some other uh, multivitamins. But, you know, fortunately, I never got on any of those prescribed medications. But what I will share with you is that five months ago when I was having a really, really tough time, and I was, I had suicide ideation that was going, actually that had been going on for years. Not serious to the point where I would take my life, but I thought about it a lot. And I don't think I have the emotional makeup that Chris had. I don't think I'm, uh, he was in a really, 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 really dark place when he took his life. So I don't think that uh, I'm the kind of person that, I don't think I got the kind of courage it takes to do that type of a thing. But I've struggled with some immense pain. Uh, especially here in the last year with COVID. I mean, that locked me down and made me even more isolated than I already was, and I was already really isolated. And uh, But about five months ago, I had seen this EMDR therapy, and it looked really hokey because they're looking at two lights that are going back and forth across the screen, and they're, and they're doing this double tapping on both sides of the head on, or on both legs, so on and so forth. And I thought, that's the stupidest thing I've ever seen in my life. And I saw it again from time to time. And finally, I bumped into this video online by this woman named uh, Vivian Kaluga, who has an online self-administered EMDR course. And I, I went, it was very inexpensive. She had it on sale for $33 because of COVID. I bought it. I, I went through her, very, I meticulously went through her videos, listened to what she had to say, and then I did what she said to do. And it was almost miraculous because what we don't understand is that our brains get injured and uh, she developed this program because she had suffered a lot of deep trauma in her life. She was a PhD clinician, uh, but she didn't, she didn't even know that what she had, these traumatic events in her life were traumatic events. She had a real serious illness. She left home when she was 14 years old. She was totally disabled at one time. She, had, she went through financial ruin. She had partners that, uh, in business that uh, took advantage of her. A lot, of, a lot of traumatic events took place in her life, but she didn't think of it as being traumatic. And it doesn't have to be something that's big. Something, there can be something that's little to everybody else out there, but that's real big to you, and that could be trauma. And... So anyway, what happens when you take this EMDR therapy is your mind starts going through into, into all these little rabbit holes and finally it will land on something. That will come to the surface. You have a cathartic release. What happens with me after I've had that cathartic release is I'm normally pretty tired. So I'll take a five, five or 10, 15 minutes just to rest, rest and relax. I'll go walk my dog. I'll get on my bike. I'll get on my total gym. I'll do some exercising. And there is a dramatic transformation that takes place in my life. Now, I don't know why God made us this way, but um, all I can tell you is there's tremendous healing there. And I would highly recommend you look into that course. I'm going to leave the link to her course below so that maybe you can utilize that to go back into your past. Because I think 
I think there's some things in your past that you may not even know are there or that you might know are there, but you just haven't dealt with them on a, very, on a deeper level. So that you can use that course, go back into your life, really examine some of, the, some of your past, some things that, that, that may have been traumatizing to you that you didn't know were traumatizing to you. They come to the surface, you process that pain, and you get set free, okay? So, and that's what gets to this thing about homosexuality, bisexuality, so on and so forth. Because, you know, when you look at Rosie O'Donnell, Ellen DeGeneres, Anderson Cooper, Don Lemon, most of the, the major uh, people who are involved in, in uh, same-sex relationships, if you look into the history of their lives, they've got a lot of traumatic things. Typically, there's either sexual molestation or severe verbal abuse, um, one-parent families. These things are very traumatic. And if you haven't dealt with the trauma and processed the pain properly, then those things are going to continue to affect the way you think about the world around you and the way you think about yourself. And Based upon the research that I did when my son became a homosexual, and I could get into a whole story about the stuff that he went through when he was growing up and how his mother turned a lot of the anger that she had in him towards him. There's a, there's a whole story there. I'm com completely convinced that that is what knocked Kyle's um, sexual gyroscope off balance, and it disoriented uh, his sexuality to the point where when he was 22 years old, and this was after a lot of things had gone on and off in his life, he ended up living with a man that was two and a half times his age, 53 years old. And when my son Corey told me about it, we both almost simultaneously said, it's a father figure, father figure issue, and that's what it is. The problem is I haven't spoken a thousand words with Kyle since he was a sophomore in high school. So it's very tragic that that type of thing can happen. But that man, that 53-year-old man, took advantage of a very vulnerable young kid that had all kinds of pain in his life. And Kyle got sucked further and further away from his authentic self. And so I just think that people that are involved in that kind of thing, they're not in touch with who they really are. I don't judge them. Um, you know, my own son, I'd lay my life to Mikhail, who is, in, who is, from what I understand, he's still involved in homosexual activity. I'd lay my life down to him in a heartbeat. I wouldn't think twice about it, you know. Um, and, and the other thing that's related to that is what, what, even, what also disturbs me very deeply when I see these things that you're writing in your book and you're promoting homosexuality and Katie's doing the same thing in her book and there's absolutely no mention, none whatsoever. It's not alluded to in the least degree. And that would be um, uh, all of the statistics that reveal all of the disease that is associated with a homosexual lifestyle. Look at, just Google it. Take a look at the, there's several reports I saw just as, 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 uh, as recently as in April of this year. U.S. News and World Report, ABC News had a report. There were a couple of others. And they're, they're just, they're showing, the studies are showing that STDs are skyrocketing amongst the homosexual community. One out of six homosexual men have AIDS, they don't know it. I just put a thing on, the, on Facebook just yesterday about this. 
about how, you know, would you get an airplane and jump out of a jump, go up in an airplane and jump out to parachute if you knew that one out of six parachutes didn't open? Well, in the homosexual community, one out of six homosexual men have AIDS and they don't know it. So they're out there passing AIDS around, a disease that can take your life, and if it doesn't take your life, it's going to make you suffer a whole lot. And so will all these other STDs. So why in the world are you guys promoting this particular sexual activity when it has all of these risk factors out there and you're not even mentioning the risk factors? I think that's dangerous and I think it's reckless. And I don't think you should be doing it. So it's just my personal opinion. You need to get rid of the profanity and the vulgar language. And if you're going to talk about sex, you need to, and if you're going to hold to your position on these sexually deviant practices, you, at the very least, you need to be warning people of the risk that's involved in doing that. Just like we're warned about drinking alcohol or smoking cigarettes or eating the wrong kinds of foods or getting fat or whatever. If you're going to talk about this as, this as if it's a valid, God-backed, Christ-centered um, sexual activity that they can get involved in, in light of all of these statistics out here that show how dangerous it is and the illness that it can cause in your life. And if you're going to talk about those things and not warn people about what can happen, I think that is horrific. I don't think you have any right to do that. The, the final thing I'm going to say as I close this up is, you know, if you, if you look at in Scripture, and of course this just makes good sense. Uh, you know, there was a man named Ray Stedman. He wrote a book years ago. He's deceased. He's been deceased for many, many years. I think he wrote this book probably 30, 40 years ago, maybe, maybe 50 years ago. It's a book, a book called Body Life, and that's kind of how he became well-known. But one of the things I heard Ray Stedman say one time is he didn't think it was, it was a good idea for anyone to write a Christian book until they had passed the age of 50. And I was way below the age of 50 at that time, and I thought, why would he say that? Well, now that I'm 65, I see why he said that. You know, it talks about it in, in the New Testament that uh, they, they, they appointed elders to oversee the growth of the church. Now, why would they do that? And what many people don't understand is the elders weren't, you know, these weren't people that showed up once a week and they did offerings, you know, and showed that they were real dutiful around a, an institutional church like we have right now. And they were 35 years old, and so they get appointed as an elder. An elder is, a, back in biblical times, back in the early church, they were older men. They were, they were sage-like men, very wise men. And so when they said appoint elders, they looked around and they said they already knew who to appoint. They knew who the old sage wise men were were amongst them. And so they appointed those men to oversee the church. Because when you see when you're your age, I mean, you know, you can be saying some good stuff, but I'm going to tell you something, Matthew, you're very impetuous and impulsive. And it's in your writing, it's in the way that you're talking on your, your podcast. And, you know, just the fact that you guys are using profanity like you are and talking about sex like you are and not giving the risks that are out there, uh, 
it's very not only is it very reckless uh, and very dangerous, but it's very immature. It's very immature. And you need to, in my personal opinion, you guys need to clean that up. Otherwise, I don't think you should be doing your podcast. You need to clean your books up from all the filthy language, or you shouldn't be publishing those books because you're influencing people to take a path they shouldn't be taking, to use language they shouldn't be using, to be involved in sexual activity they shouldn't be involved in. And again, the fact that you can even mention it and not talk about the risk when you have all the statistics out there, valid statistics, statistics from the CDC and from other places. And then look at how many sex partners homosexuals have. They don't give it a second thought. And I'll tell you one of the, one of the scariest things right now is that 16% of uh, people from the age of 18 to 25, I think it was the stat I saw, 16% are now either bisexual or homosexual. And the STDs are going through the roof. And that population is growing and growing and growing by the day. And the more it grows and the more irresponsible they are with what they're doing, the more those STDs are going to take off. And lives are going to be ruined. So you can sit there and talk about your stuff and not warn people about all the risk out there. But it's very irresponsible to do that. So I hope that you'll change on that. Okay? I've said enough. Uh, I've read your books. There's really nothing you need to do to answer me as to why you think the way you do now because I understand that. If you still think you want to talk to me, call me on phone. If you still want to do the YouTube, I'll still do the YouTube. I don't know what purpose it's going to serve, but I'll do that. Um, I mean, I don't, there's not anything that, that I see that's going to, I mean, I won't be listening to your broadcast anymore. Uh, I've read your books. Uh, you know, I was I was listening to a uh, I was listening to one of your I think I was listening to the 100th episode because uh, well you'll understand here in just a minute. But uh, I mean, you got you guys have some interesting insights on scripture. You know, I just think that you need to don't let anything proceed out of your mouth except for the building up of others. You know. Judge not lest you be judged. And, uh, I mean, that goes for all of us. It goes for me, too. So, I mean, you've got a bright mind. Keith has a bright mind. Derek, Katie, you know. Katie has some, does a really good job of talking about the scriptures there. And, that, and, and while I'm thinking about Katie, I'm gonna, this'll be, this'll be the last thing I'll cover here. I'm already 26 minutes into this. <clears throat> I mean, that's how, when she, this, this, um, this uh, problem she has have what's with what is called a quote patriarchal marriage, and you know when you when you do look into scripture and you look at where they talk about uh, how a, a, the structure of how marriage is supposed to work, and it is it starts off by saying submit one to the other. That's the first verse. That is the verse that should stay at the top. It's about submitting one to the other. And then he talks about in the marriage relationship, this is how you submit one to the other. And if one is submitting and the other isn't, then it's off kilter. It's wrong. And that's what's going on in, the, in all of these marriages out here that are that, where a husband is trying to control and dominate and dictate a marriage because he thinks that those scripture verses 
puts him in the position of the Lord and he thinks the Lord is somebody that dictates to us. Well, the Lord came to serve us and die for us. That's his leadership. And that's how a man is supposed to lead in his marriage. His wife is the weaker vessel. He's to put her interests first. He is to love her, wash her feet figuratively or either literally and you know to just look out for her best interest that's his job that's what the lord did that's what the man is supposed to do the woman is supposed to submit as unto the lord as her husband is treating her as the lord would you can't have one without the other it's a simultaneous seesawing situation that's the patriarchal message so I hope Katie doesn't have a problem with that. I hope she just has a problem with the way that picture is being abused and distorted by so many people out there who are calling themselves Christians being in Christian marriages. So, um, anyway, uh, you know, when I listen to Katie in your podcast, uh, most of the time she does an excellent job. She has some really great insights on Scripture, and, and um uh, she seems to really know her stuff. Again, on this sexual stuff, I think she's off the planet. Um, but on a lot of the other stuff, she's really got some good insights. So anyway, okay, I'm, that's what I'm going to end up on. Um, that's about it. And, uh, and I'll, just, I'll just close out with this. And uh, you guys have a great day. If you still want to do the YouTube, let me know. Over and out. Oh, and by the way, Keith Giles meant to say this is the motherfucking 100 episode. That's right. Thank you. Because I couldn't say that, but thank you. I knew you were saying that. But I can't. I, I, I'm here to help, man. Thank you. Got it. Interesting. All right. So, um, uh, Derek's, Derek's going Derek's gonna to smack around Paul. I, I would say, I'll say Tertullian. Because that guy said some oh, really yeah. fucked up shit. So, um, yeah. if there's one yeah. guy I could smack around. I, I'm with you. For example, because I, I can name some specific things he said I thought were pretty crappy. Yeah. Oh, uh, John Calvin, smacking is too good. I I would smooth kick him in the nuts. <laughs> I mean, I just keep it real in the hundred. Yeah. And 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 not only that, I would take a good running start. <laughs> you know, it it, w- it would be like going for that sixty-one yard field goal. All right. Since so we start, so let's let's flip it around. What's everyone's like, favorite favorite verse? Is there one that uh, that's a go-to for you, or that's um, empowering somehow? The entire book of Job. And why, man? Why? Fuck off. Why, man? No, it's not necessarily empowering, but I'm going to pick it just because <laughs> I, I like to fuck with Derek. Um, no, I do like... Buy this damn book! <laughs> Buy this damn Buy book! Buy this damn book! <laughs> Buy this damn book! <laughs> Buy this damn book! Buy this damn book! <laughs> Katie, Katie needs a t-shirt that says, I am not your fucking not theological Christian. frat boy. <laughs> Katie, Katie needs a t-shirt that says, I am not your I'm fucking not theological Christian. frat boy. Oh, and, and, and by the way, just for just in case anyone is concerned, let me just go ahead and put it out here right now and just say, fuckity, fuck, 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 fuck. Okay. <laughs> just to get it all out there. Get it off. Fuck, 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 fuck. Okay? Just to get it all out there. Get it off. Fuck, 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 fuck. Okay? Just to get it all out there. Get it off. Damn, that was probably the best Heretic of the Week interview I think we have ever had. Wow!
Thank you so much. That was awesome. You goddamn awesome. right. You goddamn awesome. right. You goddamn awesome. right. I'm not. I'm not your church frat boy. Yes. <laughs> no, you that's forgot, that's you forgot something, one. Katie. I'm not your fucking <laughs> church frat boy. <laughs> Thank you for the clarification. <laughs> <laughs> Good news. It's that thing that says that. Hey, you know, you've been taught that you were fucked up all along, and in reality, well, should we talk about? Um, should we talk about the good soil? We opened it up, and that was the way the story ended. We'd be like, "What the fuck is this? Like, this, this is not how this is not how books end." If they make, I can't imagine. Who would say that about us? No fuck one would say fuck, that fuck, about fuck, us. Fuck, fuck, fuck. <laughs> Sorry, that is the equivalent of a heretic happy hour lap dance. <laughs> oh boy, did I just oh, do that? Jesus. You will plant your seed in good ground. Or if you don't, we'll knock your dick in the dirt. (laughs) Satan will come and snatch it up. Your seed in good ground. Or if you don't, we'll knock your dick in the dirt. (laughs) Satan will come and snatch it up. We'll knock your dick in the dirt. <laughs> Satan will come and snatch it up. We'll knock your dick in the dirt. <laughs> Satan will come and snatch it up. We'll knock your dick in the dirt. 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 <laughs> <laughs>